the 11th chapter as we continue our walk through the New Testament we come to Revelation chapter 11 this morning I hope you have been encouraged by our study in the book of Revelation I know I have been in my time of study in my time and just reading and being in the presence of our father it's been very very encouraging to me I want to remind everyone before we get into the study to come out tonight at six o'clock tonight is our hillside missions dessert social and we've mentioned over the last number of weeks the importance for us as the body of Christ to engage with our family members that are serving on the front lines both locally and on the foreign mission field we have many missionaries that we support out of Hillside Christian Fellowship. We support both prayerfully and financially. On the foreign mission field, we support at least 13 missionary families that are carrying the gospel to other places. The majority of the places that the missionaries that we support and we have helped send to present the gospel, they are in areas of unengaged people, unreached people and unengaged people groups. In other words, where there is little or no known representation of Christ in that people group and that language group. And so we have the distinct honor to be apostolic in helping go and proclaim the gospel. In many cases, for the very first time. Now listen, they're doing it. They're putting, in many cases, their lives on the line. I want to encourage you to be a part and engage. You can hear more about who's doing what tonight. We also have some 13 missionaries that we support here on a local level, both in this city, in our state, and in these United States. And we would invite you because many of them will be here tonight. In fact, there's no less than, I believe we'll have 10 of our missionary families or individuals that will be with us tonight. You'll have the opportunity to meet them and place a face with the person that you hopefully have been praying for. And again, we invite everyone to be engaged in prayer, to be engaged in prayer. At our missions table, there are prayer calendars. Many of you have received them. These prayer calendars, they, they, they list, and I have mine with me. I carry it with me everywhere I go. It's always in my Bible. Sunday morning, I pull it out and I put it in my portfolio here. But it's two pages, and it looks like this. And it lists all of our missionaries. Many of them, we don't even publish their names. We just put their initials. And some of them, we don't even put the actual nation where they are. We simply put a disguised name, if you will, because of the sensitivity. If it was discovered where they are and who they are, some may even have their lives in danger, let alone being deported and sent out. So I want to invite you to come tonight and be a part. There are clipboards that I have strategically placed in the room. There are five of them. And I'm going to ask those guys to first sign up and plan to be a part tonight and then begin to pass those around. And I would that we'd fill the house tonight. Can you imagine how encouraging it will be for our missionaries that are here to see the house full and to get to meet you, their extended family? All right, that was a great opportunity to hear a hearty amen. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay. Let me say this. I know I don't, well, let me say this well. I don't often try and leverage our relationship. I don't often try and say, folks, this is not me asking. This is me saying, as your brother in Christ, come tonight. But I'm saying, and I'm leveraging our relationship, and I'm saying, come tonight. Come tonight. 
Here's the thing. In all reality, I know many of us have important things on our plate. But in the scheme of eternity, it's about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, go therefore into all the world and make disciples of all nations. If Jesus gave that as his last command, then it ought to be a high priority for us. Right? This, this rubber meeting the road here, right? Amen. Hey, it's Sunday night, 6 o'clock. I know, you're gearing up for the next day. You're relaxing. Your last little bit of relax. How about come out and have fellowship with the body of Christ? Amen? Amen. Awesome. All right. We'll probably have to set up some more tables. That's exciting. Uh, good. All right. So you're in the book of Revelation. Now, um, for the last number of weeks, I give a recap of what we've encountered from Revelation chapter 1 to our current chapter. I'm not going to do that this morning. If you're here for the very first time, we would encourage you to listen online to last week's message. You'll get caught right up. We're in the 11th chapter, and some amazing things have transpired. We have up to this point now, we have seen the seven seals broken, and we've seen six trumpets blown. And we've seen the judgment of the Lord being poured out on a Christ-rejecting nation, a Messiah-rejecting people, and a Christ-rejecting world. And remember that this chastisement, as severe as it is, the heart of God is redemptive in nature. God's been working since the foundation of the earth. He has been working on the redemption of mankind to bring men and women into right relationship with God through Christ Jesus, the Lord, for no less than 6,000 years. To say that our God is loving and long-suffering may be an understatement and the biggest understatement of the morning. God so loved the world. He loves us. His heart is that none should perish. That how many should perish? None. That all should come to the place of repentance, to be born again, to have their names written in the Lamb's book of life, to know that they are saved, to know that they will spend eternity with God in heaven. That's our Father's heart. That's the heart of Jesus Christ, His Son. That is the heart of God the Spirit. And so, we come to Revelation chapter 11, and again, it's in this parenthetical pause, if you will. It's like the pause button has been hit, and it's between the sixth trumpet and the seventh trumpet. It's between the woes, if you will. We saw four trumpets, and then there was a declaration of three woes. Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. And we've seen two of those woes unfolded, and yet one woe remains. The seventh trumpet will blow. And so, a couple of things that we will be introduced to if you read through the entirety of Revelation chapter 11. You would be introduced to the temple. John is given a reed or a measuring rod to go forth and measure the temple, to measure only specific portions of the temple, to leave the outer courts to be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles. That should be of keen interest to all of us. You see, presently, there is not a temple in Jerusalem upon the mound. There is not, but there will be. There will be. 
There are a number of different conjectures of how that temple could be placed even presently upon the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And there are preparations right now being made in Jerusalem with all of the utensils that would be utilized in even the sacrificial system. There are those that are being trained right now in Jerusalem in all of the aspects of the sacrificial system. They're in preparation for the imminent building of a temple. That's exciting. We're not going to go there this morning. I hope that wet your whistle. We'd be introduced to two witnesses, which we will be looking at in detail in just a few moments. We also will be introduced in chapter 11, verse 15, the seventh trumpet that will sound, and we'll see, if you will, the temple of God and the throne. Uh, but to this morning, we're going to look at verses 3 through 7, and we'll look very specifically at the two witnesses. And in relationship to these two witnesses, we will, in a theological term, exegetically look at what is being said very specifically as that future prophetic event. And then we're going to look at seven observations of these two witnesses that I believe that we can make application into our life today. That we can learn from these witnesses and this few verses contextually how you and I may strengthen our witness for the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's read together. Beginning in verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with plagues, with all plagues, as often as they desire. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Father, in the next few moments, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, the word of God, I pray, Lord, that we would be built up in our most holy faith. For your word declares faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We recognize, Lord, that as we study the book of Revelation, we are blessed. For this is the book of the 66 that comes with its own blessing from you. To the reader, to the hearer, and to the keeper of the words within this prophecy. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. And everyone said a strong amen. Amen. So, the two witnesses... Let me make these observations, then we'll talk about theologically who these two witnesses may, in fact, be. The first is that there are two, and they are witnesses. Now, Deuteronomy reminds us, and we're reminded in the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. These two witnesses are going to make the matter established. They are going to proclaim truth, and it will be established. Now, it is interesting to note, this is not the first time where there have been two witnesses to men who have shown up on the scene establishing a matter. You might recall in Matthew chapter 16 that Jesus said there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds and his glory. Now that's a challenging verse to us because we know all of the disciples that were with Jesus 
have gone on to be with the Lord, in most cases, more than 1,900 years ago. Now then, he said they will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his glory with the clouds. Well, if you would look at Matthew 17, you would discover that it begins with these words. Now, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John up onto the mountain, and there he was transfigured before them. And he shone in all of his glory, the glory that he had prior to the incarnation. And there were two that stood with him, Moses and Elijah. And we are told that there is a discussion in one of the gospel accounts. They were talking. I believe personally that it's very likely they were talking about the events that were forthcoming. The events of Jesus' life and potentially future events. It might have been even what we would call a dress rehearsal, you see, because this is the fulfillment of Jesus' words six days earlier. Moses being a type, if you will, of those who have died in the Lord. Elijah, a type of those that are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And so Jesus is showing and shown with all of his glory with the patriarchs and with the church that has been caught away. And here he is in his glory. It's not the only time that we see two other witnesses. In Luke chapter 24, there are two witnesses that show up to the tomb. The ladies had come down to the tomb on the day of Christ's resurrection. And if you read the text carefully, you would discover as they came in, they discovered that the body of Christ was not there, that the stone had been rolled away. And there appeared two men in white raiment. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He has gone into Galilee ahead of you. Two men testifying to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Two witnesses establishing the matter. He is alive. Hallelujah. Another time in Acts chapter 1, you would recall this. Jesus ascended before the disciples. Matthew quoted that scripture, Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you will receive power after that the Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. It, said, it says in the text that they watched Jesus ascend into the clouds, and they saw him no more, and they stood staring at the sky. And there appeared two men in white raiment, men of Galilee, why do you stare into the sky? This same Jesus, whom you have seen ascend, will return in like manner to men. Now, the establishment of his imminent return. Two witnesses. Here we're told there are two witnesses. and We will learn more about them in a moment. We're told in the text that they are given power. Power has been given to them. You should note that in your Bible, the word power there is in italics. The translators put the word power in there to help us clarify or understand what has transpired. It is not actually in the text, but we know for sure that he is giving them power and authority. It is implied by the text and by what is forthcoming. What is that power and that authority? Well, there's fire. Now we read this and we think, are these guys going to be fire-breathing brothers? That if someone opposes them, they're going to open their mouths and fire is going to come out of their mouth and consume them? And I think sometimes when we read things like that, we have... Hollywood images, maybe you have images of dragons that are fire-breathing dragons, and you have some Hollywood picture. 
let me rest assure you that it will not be some Hollywood kind of dramatic event. It will be real. It will be a God event. It is God who has empowered them. And it is not the first time that fire has come forth because of the words of a man. It's interesting that we prayed just before service. And we realized that we, had, we only have four minutes. We have to pray. And immediately I was thinking, listen, Elijah prayed 33 words and fire rained down from heaven. You can read about it in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18. Actually, chapter 18 is the story of Mount Carmel. And it's there on Mount Carmel that he builds an altar. He puts fire on the altar. He puts the offering on the altar. He digs around the altar. He pours water once, twice, three. He covers it, saturates it with water such that the moat that he dug around is filled up. And then he prayed 33 words. I got a sneaky suspicion I can say 33 words in about 30 seconds. And fire came down from heaven, consumed the offering, consumed the wood, consumed the rock altar, and lapped up all the water. Fire from heaven. And then the children of Israel, let God be God. And they chased down the 450 prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah. And they were destroyed. Not the first time. Listen, you can read another story in 2 Kings chapter 1. And I would encourage you to do so. Elijah the prophet is encircled by the enemy. Or excuse me, I'm, gonna, I'm telling two stories here. In 2 Kings chapter 1, Elijah the prophet has been made known to the king. And the king sends a captain and 50, a captain of 50, to come and see him and beckon him to return to the king. They show up on his front door, and they said, hey, the king wants to see you. And Elijah's response is, if I'm a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven and consume you. Whoosh. They're gone. Word gets back to the king. He sends another captain of 50. I just want you to think about this for a moment. Could you imagine if you were the captain of those 50, or if you were one of those 50? <laughs> you want us to do what? They show up. The king wants you to come back. If I am a prophet of God, if I am a man of God, then let fire come down and consume you. Whoosh. They're gone. Their words bring fire. That's what we're told in the text. Not the first time. Also a number of other power and authority kinds of things, but they certainly have authority and they have power. The third observation, they're connected to a continual power source. The scripture says in verse 4, these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. In the Old Testament, one of the prophets that prophesied during the days of the rebuilding of the temple after the nation of Israel had been exiled for 70 years, you might be familiar with that exile. You can read about portions of it in the prophet Jeremiah. You can read about portions of it with Ezekiel. You can definitively read about it in the book of Daniel. You would see portions of it in the prophets of Haggai and Zechariah. And Zechariah is one who prophesied during the days that Zerubbabel was rebuilding the Temple Mount. And he makes some statements in Zechariah chapter 4 that reference these two olive trees and the lampstand, the one on the right and the one on the left, and it is a picture of the continual flow of oil. Oil is a type, if you will, in the Old Testament of the Holy Spirit. These two are in an ever-flowing relationship with the Holy Spirit. They have been empowered from on high, if you will. They are tapped in to the power source, God the Spirit. Verse 3, again, backing up for a moment, says they will prophesy. They're going to make proclamation. Prophecy, in its purest form, if you will, 
is declaration of a already stated truth. Declaration. God, through a man, making a clarity of something he's already made known. In some portions, about 15, maybe 20% of the prophets that we have record of, there is a foretelling of some future event. But the totality is weighed that truth is being declared, and these two definitively will be going forth declaring truth. Verse 5 tells us or indicates to us that they have power over their enemies. It says, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. I already shared the story out of 2 Kings. Fire. They have power and authority over their enemies. The sixth observation. They have supernatural gifts and operations. Again, fire, shutting up the heavens so that no rain would come down. The turning of water to blood. I would encourage you to go forth and read again Exodus chapter 7. It's interesting to note that when Aaron touched the waters of the Nile and the waters of the Nile turned to blood, it was not just the waters of the Nile that turned to blood. It was the springs. It was the streams. It was all of the water, even the water that is in the wooden kegs and the earthen vessels. It was all turned to blood. That's something. These have supernatural gifts and operations. The seventh observation. You'd note in verse 7 it says, when they finished their testimony. When they finished their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. I would note that these two were protected until their commission was completed. These two were protected until their commission was completed. So, let's just consider who this might be, and then we'll apply some of these observations to our living today. So who are these witnesses? What are the prevailing thoughts amongst biblical scholars? Let's remember first that in John chapter 1, the Jews sent priests and Levites to John the Baptist. You see, John the Baptist was baptizing at the Jordan River, some distance from Jerusalem, but his crowd seemed to be growing. And it was raising some concern amongst the Jews, amongst the priests, and amongst the Levites. So they sent an entourage down to John. Are you the Christ? He said plainly, I am not. I am not. Then they asked the question, are you then Elijah? He says, I am not. They said, are you the prophet? He says, I am not. The reason I referenced John chapter 1 and that entourage and what they were inquiring, you see, in the mind of the Jews, there was yet an expectation. There was an expectation that Messiah was yet to come. You and I know they missed their Messiah. They missed. But it's keen that they ask the question, then are you Elijah? You see, Malachi, the prophet, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, you can jot that down in your notes. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5 reminds us that Elijah will come before the dreadful day of the Lord. And so they were with expectation even to this day. To this day, those that practice Judaism, when they take the Passover meal and receive it on Passover, they have an empty seat at the table with the eager expectation that Elijah may come to their house to participate at their meal. To this day, they're waiting for Elijah to come because of what the prophet said. 
They asked about the prophets because of the prophecy that Moses gave in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 19, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. The prevailing thought, which frankly is conjecture, but the prevailing thought is that these two witnesses identified here in Revelation chapter 11 is likely to be Elijah and the second is likely to be Moses. It is interesting, there is in Jude, there is a scripture that refers to a dispute between Satan and Michael the archangel over the very bones of Moses. And to this day, theologians wonder what that is about and why that would have occurred. We don't know that either, but it is an interesting engagement that happened in the supernatural realm. There are other thoughts associated with this. Some believe that the second, Elijah being the first, and it's pretty unilateral that it's going to be Elijah, but the, se or the second conjecture or the second person would be that of Enoch. And many believe because Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind and uh, Genesis chapter 5 tells us that Enoch walked with the Lord 365 years and was no more. The Lord caught him up. And so, quoting Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it is appointed man to die once, then face judgment. Many believe because those two have not tasted death that they will be the two that return during the days of the tribulation and the two witnesses, the last half that 1260 days or that 42 months or three and a half years that they will be the ones because in the text in chapter 11 they will die they will die as we read in verse 7 and so there's an assumption but uh, I would probably hold that that is maybe a misapplication of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27 nevertheless what we know for sure is there will be two witnesses and they will have all of those things that we just saw those seven observations so Let's take those seven observations. You see, here's what I would like to do, because I believe what the Scripture says, the Bible tells us that he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. These two seem to be wise men. They were filled with the Spirit of God. They were empowered from on high. They declared truth. They went forth. Signs and wonders followed them where they went. So let's unpack this for our own application. Be reminded today, we are Christ's witnesses. We are Christ's witnesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20, Now then, we are Christ's ambassadors. That's sick. So cool. We're Christ's ambassadors. We represent a kingdom, not of this world, and a king. Here's the thing. You'll see this in a minute. We have diplomatic immunity from the systems and the ruler of this world. Man, if you've been being beat up by the devil... All you need to do is remind the devil whose you are. You belong to the king. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are, no under, you are no longer under the law of sin and death, but under the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. It's good. All right. Christ's ambassadors, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So the first observation, we're Christ's ambassadors. We are his witnesses. The second observation. We have been given power. You will receive power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the ends of the earth. You have received power. Hallelujah. 
My wife and I had a cassette tape. Raise your hand if you remember what a cassette tape was. <laughs> we had a cassette tape. There was a worship song on there out of 2 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, or 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I have given you authority. And it's such a great song. And then it, Luke chapter 10 and verse 18. I have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and all of the power of the evil one. Nothing shall harm you. We have been given authority. I like to say in Acts 1.8 where it says you will receive power, that word power there is the Greek word dunamis. Say that with me, dunamis, dunamis. We get our English word dynamite. It's explosive power. The word for authority in Luke chapter 10 and verse 18, I have given you authority, exosia. We, we make the statement often, exercise your exosia. Use the authority and the power that God has given you. Authority unused is no authority. Power on the shelf is no power at all. We've been given power. We have a continuous source. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's expedient that I go to the Father. For when I go to the Father, He will send the Helper, the Comforter, the Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, John said these words, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on. In Acts, we're reminded time and time and time again that when the children of God asked, to be filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. And there was an accompaniment of the operations of God. The manifestation, gifts, miracles, and the operations of God. I'm certainly reminded that Jesus said to us, the disciples, these signs will follow. In fact, turn in your Bibles with me, would you, to Mark chapter 16. You should have this underlined, memorized, maybe written on the mirror in your bedroom, on the steering wheel of your car, where you see it often. That might mean the refrigerator. I'm almost there. Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. They will drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The signs and wonders. Some have said they're not for today. It's not what the Word of God says. That is not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says they are indefinitely for today. Definitely. All right. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. The proclamation. We make known the gospel. Go therefore and make disciples, teaching. Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Romans 10, 14, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless the preacher goes? Some of you say, well, Dave, you should go. We are all preachers. Swallow this. For a moment, 
you are preaching something. You're preaching something. How you live and what you say is preaching something. Are you preaching the gospel? Are you preaching Jesus Christ? Is your life pointing people to the resurrection life of Jesus Christ? Make known to us. The fifth observation, we have power over our enemies. I love that. We have authority over our enemies just like they do and they will. Those two witnesses, if anyone tries to wipe them out, they get wiped out. We have power over our enemies. Remember Jesus said to those guys when he said, Behold, I saw Satan fall like lightning. I have given you authority. He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. He said, Don't glory in the fact that the spirits are subject to you in my name. Don't glory in that, but did you catch that the spirits are subject to us in his name? Hello. I'm going to think about that for a moment. Why do we give in to the enemy so easily? Lord, wake up the church. Wake us up. There are people living in bondage all around us. We say in America, and we discount as the church, we say, well, the reason we don't see many people that are demon-possessed here is because, well, blah, 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 we're saturated with the gospel. And, but in other nations, you see these things more definitively. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think as the body of Christ, we've been dulled in our ability to see because we've not spent time with our Father in the secret place who would reveal to us openly and He would and will use you and I set people free from the bondage of the evil one. He will use you and I to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, to see them healed. It's the kingdom of God. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. It's in you. We have power over our enemies. The sixth, we have supernatural gifts and operations. We could spend a number of Sundays going over, and we will in the days to come, maybe the years to come. The operations of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the ministries of the Lord. You can read more about it in Ephesians chapter 4. Those are the ministries of our Lord. There are five of them listed. Ephesians 4.11. You can read about the gifts of the Spirit. There are seven enumerated in Romans chapter 12. And you can hear and read more about the operations of God. There are at least nine listed very specifically. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are a number of others that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We won't spend the time this morning. Suffice it to say, they're supernatural gifts. They're supernatural operations. One of those operations is Miraculous powers. How many of us would say, I'd like that one? <laughs> right? I mean, we would because I know in your heart, just like in my heart, when we see someone in a wheelchair suffering, something inside of us is, oh, Jesus, you could heal them. I pray if it doesn't cross your mind that it would. I encourage you. God wants to do the miraculous. Supernatural gifts and operations. Number four. The seventh observation, I simply put it this way. They were protected until their commission was completed. I'll remind everybody, we talked about it a little bit last Sunday night. 
You are, you are invincible. You and I, we are invincible. Nothing can harm you. That's what the Word of God says. Nothing. Now, they completed their commission. You and I have a commission to complete. God has a plan for your life. We don't know what our days are, the numbering of our days. We don't know. But I will tell you, you're invincible up until the day of your calling to come home. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have sickness. It doesn't mean you're not going to have some ailment, maybe a disease. That, th those things may happen. But your life is hid with Christ. And you will not taste death until your days are up. Moses in the Psalm, Psalm 90, uh, a psalm that Moses wrote, he reminds us, teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. I think it is interesting that Hebrews chapter 9 uses the phrase, it is appointed man to die once. I believe that there is an appointment that you will not be early for and you will not be late for. You're going to meet the Lord. You're going to meet the Lord at some point. Okay. So then, we see these seven observations, and these ought to be in us, and we ought to be engaged in these. And I'm reminded this morning of the disciples in Acts chapter 4 that came together and they prayed that God would grant them a spirit of boldness. That they would continue to proclaim the truth. They prayed for boldness. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 4 that the place that they met, the pillars began to shake. And the building shook. And the people were filled with the Spirit of God. And they boldly proclaimed the will of God. I believe that today God wants to fill his children fresh with his Spirit. I believe that for some, it may be the first enduing of power, the Holy Spirit coming upon someone. Be reminded that the Spirit of God has at least three relationships with mankind. He is with us. He is, for the believer, he is in us, and he will come upon us, right? Jesus said, you have heard of the Holy Spirit, for he is with you. He said that to his disciples. He is with you. He said, soon he will be in you. Later, he breathed on those first century apostles. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed, and they received the Spirit of God in them. And then he made these words clear, tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of my Father. For you will receive power after that the Spirit of God has come upon you. Upon you. So with, in, and upon. You're here today and you're a believer in Jesus. The Spirit of God is in you. He has been with you your whole life. He is now in you. Maybe you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. You've asked God to fill you with His Spirit in the enduing of power. Let me assure you that He did. He did. But He will fill you again. And again, you see, Peter was filled on the day of Pentecost. He was filled on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2. Then in Acts chapter 4, he was the one who was in that room, and they prayed, and the Spirit of God filled them all. That's like a refilling. Now, I have a vehicle, and it's a gas guzzler. And I can go a certain amount of miles, and I need to go to the gas station and get filled up. Maybe life has made you weary. Maybe the road has been bumpy. Maybe there have been potholes. 
And maybe you're here today and you'd simply say, I need a fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. A fresh enduing of power. Help me refocus. Help me to get back both feet on track, on the right road. Being a witness unto Jesus. How many of us realize that sometimes we can make the highest priority in our life making a reputation for self? We work on our reputation a lot. And we neglect the things that the Spirit of God wants to do in us, which is transform our character into the image of the only begotten Jesus. These disciples early on, they were called Christians because they resembled the life of Christ. Oh, that we would resemble the life of Jesus in a greater measure. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you to stand in just a moment. And if you would like to be included in this prayer, and I pray, I pray that everyone would. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do, because I am going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you that you would step out from where you are and come forward. Now, some of you aren't comfortable with coming forward. You say, man, I just, you know, leave me alone. I think it's an exercise of faith when we step out. And you just simply, you'd just be saying, you know what? I want to be a fresh touch from the Lord. That's it. And we're going to have you come forward. And we're going to pray. We're not going to get all excited and hyped. We're just going to ask God to fill us fresh. And he will. Because he does. He says, which of you, if your son asked for an egg, would give him a stone? He said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Spirit to those who ask? He will. Isn't that good? That's just good. Every good and perfect gift flows from the Father of lights. Hallelujah. So we're going to ask. Then we're going to, after we prayed, we're going to go back to our seats, and then we're going to look for a couple who want to be baptized in water, and we're going to celebrate together. Does that sound like fun? Let's do that. So will you stand with me this morning? And when you're standing, I'm going to ask Pastor Dennis and Jill if you guys could come back. And um, you can just pick any one of those songs. The rest of the worship team can come forward. And I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask our elders to come forward. I'm going to ask uh, if any of our deacons are here. You guys can come forward. Any of our interns that are here, will you guys come forward? We're, these guys are just going to be across the front right here, and we're going to be ready to just pray. We're just going to pray with you. We're going to pray for you. I'm going to pray personally, and you can just be, let one of these just lay their hands on you. They'll be reaching over crowd or however it works, but they want to believe. Isn't this a good-looking group of men right here? These guys love Jesus, and they're just, they're full of the Holy Ghost. It's so good. Hallelujah. You're here this morning, and you say, PD, when you, when you reference those seven things, I see those in my life to a measure, but not where I want them to be. Not where I want them to be. And you would like the spirit of boldness to come unto you, and just that you would be one who proclaims, and you'd like that fresh infilling of the Spirit of God. I'm going to invite you to just step out where you are and just come on, make your way to the front right now. Whomever and all, come on down. Come on down. Yes, come on. Come on. Come on. Just fill the front. That's right. Make room. They're, they're, they'll be praying for you, but we're going to pray a very general prayer, including all, but come on down. We'll just pack it in tight here, gang. Pack it in tight. Come on in, Susan, this way. Come on up, you guys. Come on, Dennis. Come on in tight. Come on in tight. Let's go. Let's go. You want that touch. Fill in, everybody. Fill in. You just say, yes, I need. I want. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we come in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Lord, we are so very, very thankful for the infilling of your spirit. We thank you, Father, that you were the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit and fire. You baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. We need your power. We need that fresh touch. We see it throughout the entirety of the book of Acts where the disciples, they asked and they were filled time and time and time again with your spirit and that enduing power. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would fill even now with your Holy Spirit. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. A good measure. Oh Lord, 
we recognize that we are earthen vessels. Your word describes we are like potted clay. We were pottery, and you've made us. And Lord, we spent so much of our time filling our vessels with other stuff, with things, the things of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and all that kind of stuff. We have spent so much of our life filling our earthen vessels. In some cases, we're so full of self-stuff, there's not room for more of your spirit. Father, I pray that in each of our lives, we would just be like that toppled over earthen vessel. And all of the stuff would just pour out. Lord, we just confess all of our stuff. We confess our sin. We confess our waywardness. We confess, Lord, where we've just been carnally minded. We, we confess where we've just not had our focus on the kingdom of God. It's been on other things. And Lord, we just want to empty all of the stuff. And Lord, will you tip the jar back up and will you fill a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over? Holy Spirit, come. We ask, Father, that you would fill these earthen vessels with your spirit, fresh and new, empowering from on high. Lord, help us to be mindful of the kingdom of God, the things of your kingdom, for your glory and for your namesake. For everyone in this room, God, we pray, Lord, that anointing and the power of God in our lives. And we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you are the baptizer, that you are the filler, and you are the one who empowers. We pray for that power. We pray for that authority. We would ask in Jesus' name for every man, woman, and child that spirit of boldness, the spirit of boldness to come upon us, that we would exercise our authority, that we would exercise our exousia, that we would use that dunamis power that you have in, that you have filled us with. And so, God, may your name be made. May your ma name be made magnificent in our kingdom. I mean, in our in our community, Lord, may your name be exalted in this place. We magnify you, God. We extol you, Lord. We glorify Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, God, be glorified. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 God bless you guys. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can make your way back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to invite you to be seated. I do want to confess that I can't see the clock. But we have a couple that are being baptized this morning in water. I'm going to invite uh, the Salmons to come up and Malachi. If you'd bring Malachi with you, that would be great. And uh, Dave, is Kyle going to be baptized this morning too? Kyle, come on down, big guy. That's exciting. These have made profession of faith. Jesus Christ is Lord of their life. And... Uh, making that public declaration. And so we're very, very excited. If you can't see where you are, I'm going to invite you to uh, get to a place where you can. Hey, big guy, how you doing? You ready for this? <laughs> That's great. You, I'm going to let you know you can take your shoes and socks off. That's pretty exciting. That's a good-looking bathing suit right there, isn't it? Malachi loves the Lord, and Kyle Jackson loves the Lord. It's it's good, and so while we get ready to baptize in water, that public declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord of their lives, if you're here this morning and you have not followed the Lord's example in water baptism, making that public declaration that you are dying to your old man, that old nature, and I know it seems pretty rough for a guy this age to say, well, man, he has an old nature. He's got that old man nature. 
But I want you to know, I know Malachi well enough to know that there's some old man nature. <laughs> Mom and dad could probably attest to that. But he loves the Lord, and Kyle's in the same place. And, uh, and you, if your faith is in Christ, it's also that way with you. And this is an opportunity to declare, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm dying to my old nature, being buried with Christ, and being raised anew. We are, the Bible says, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. That public declaration is such an important part, declaring, I am a Jesus follower. So if you're here and after we've baptized these, you say, there's water, notwithstanding water. What prevents me from being baptized? You say, well, I don't have a change of clothes. We'll send you home with a big towel. We'd ask that you'd bring it back, but we'll send it home with you, wrap you up, and it will be great. So we want to encourage you in that, in that way. But Matthew, do you have a microphone? You do. Well, let's, Malachi, why don't we do this? Why don't we have you step inside? I know the water is nice and warm. That's what I was told. Someone wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> Come on down this way over here. You can stay standing. Josh, would you like to be a part and baptize your son? I thought you might, so let's have you come on over. And I think your dad's going to ask you a couple questions about Jesus and your relationship with him. First, I wanted to say Malachi, preparing for today, he really took it literal. It was the old sin coming up anew because he wore a dirty shirt. <laughs> And he's going to have a clean shirt when we're out of here. So. That's funny. Yeah. Try not to drop the mic in the water. <laughs> Malachi, do you love Jesus? You're going to follow him all your days of your life? What am I forgetting? You got it. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, Malachi, we're going to ask you to go ahead and sit down. You can sit. Face this way. Face this way over here at the camera. And... Uh, Upon your profession of faith, as Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, your dad is going to submerge you under the water, baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we are reminded, baptizing in Christ, so we are baptizing you in Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 So go ahead and plug your hose, and your dad's going to put you in. Come on! <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Good job, Malachi. Proud of you, big guy. All right, Kyle, come on in. Dave Jackson, would you like to be a part of this baptism? All right, me and Matt, good man. All right, Kyle. Now, Mike, let me see if I can have that mic. Kyle, you're looking good. I'm proud of you. You saw the baptismal tank up here, and you said, Dad, can I be baptized? It's pretty exciting stuff. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I do. Amen. And are you trusting Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. Amen. And is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? Yes. Amen. And are you going to seek to live the rest of your days to give glory to Jesus? Yes, I am. Amen. Anything you'd like to say to your dad, brothers, or friends here at church? Uh, no. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> All right, brother, I'm going to have you go ahead and sit down. Hey, keep your feet out here in front. There you go, and you can sit down on your cushy. And I'm going to have you hold your nose with your, there you go, with your left hand. You can, there you go, that's good that way. And then hold this one up right there, boom. Kyle, upon the profession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, baptizing you in Jesus. Hallelujah. Here we go, all the way up. Come on. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Proud of you, big guy. All right. That's pretty exciting. Water's here. Do I have any who would say, I want to make that public declaration that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior? Just give a moment. Awesome. Let's all stand. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to know we're going to have the baptismal tank set up. 
just about every other week. Might be every three weeks. We hope that we will be setting up the baptismal tank every single Sunday in the days ahead. That will require something from you and I. That we will be the ones going forth in the power of the Spirit declaring that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that people must be born again. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We're the conveyors of that gospel. We are Christ's ambassadors. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and be dismissed. Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the testimony of these witnesses that is yet a forthcoming thing. And yet your word tells us he who walks with the wise grows wise. Lord, we can see prophetically these observations in their lives. And we recognize, Lord, how desperately we need them working in our lives. Lord, help us to live this way while it's our time, while it's during our commission to go forth and complete. So, Lord, may you be glorified in our lives. Empower us from on high. Embolden us from on high for your glory and for your namesake. We ask your blessing and your benediction in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. 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 Go in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus, guys.